This is DW News, live from Berlin. Syria's civil war complicates earthquake relief efforts. A decade of war in a regime suspicious of outsiders means aid organizations are still struggling to reach victims in rebel-held areas of Syria. And mystery surrounds an object shot down by the U.S. military over Alaska. The White House says it was traveling at high speed and posed a threat to civilian flights, but gives no indication of the object's owner. Plus, Super Bowl Sunday kicks off, and for the first time in history, America's biggest sporting event will feature two black starting quarterbacks. I'm Michael Oku. Welcome to the program. In Syria, rescue efforts in the wake of the devastating earthquake are being hampered by the complications of a decade-long war there. But despite the obstacles, vital supplies are now slowly trickling into Syria, with the government saying it will allow humanitarian assistance into rebel-held areas. A second UN relief convoy has also now gotten through. The devastating earthquake has struck an unimaginable blow to Syrians already struggling with years of civil war. Many of the people living in the Latakia province had fled the fighting in Idlib, only for disaster to hit their new homes. Community leaders say many refugees were living in these collapsed buildings. My cousin and his wife have three children. We do not know anything about them. Their home is on the second floor. The United Nations estimates three and a half million people may now be homeless after the quakes, which have killed thousands of others. But assistance has been slow. Relief efforts hampered by the complications of war and roads damaged by the shaking. In a carefully choreographed tour of the quake zone, President Bashar al-Assad visited a hospital. He has agreed to international demands to allow aid into regions not under state control, meaning it no longer needs to go via Damascus. A second UN aid convoy entered a short time ago consisting of 14 trucks loaded with various relief supplies and materials for tents, hygiene and some food. It will be handed over to an organization partnering with the UN operating in liberated areas. From there, the aid will be distributed to those affected by the earthquake. With power outages and a lack of food and shelter, the race is on to get assistance to those struggling to survive. The earthquake response now turning into a desperate humanitarian situation, dealing another blow to Syrians who have already endured so much. The death toll in Turkey following the massive earthquake has now passed 20,000. Those numbers from the National Health Ministry. An international aid effort is underway, with rescue crews and supplies being deployed to the region. Teams in Turkey are still finding survivors in the mounds of rubble. Some have been trapped for more than 100 hours in freezing temperatures. I spoke earlier with our correspondent Mohamed Shretter, who is in Turkey's Hatay province, and asked if there is still any hope for victims trapped under the rubble. 
Michael, the death toll across both countries uh, hit by the deadly quakes has now passed 24,000. Unfortunately, this number is at the increase round the clock. Uh, senses uh, that many more would be found alive are getting slimmer. Uh, some families gathering by the uh, ruins of what uh, used to be their homes were hoping to find more survivors, uh, but they are now desperate uh, after they stopped uh, hearing moans uh, from under the rubble. Now they are waiting to retrieve uh, the bodies of their loved ones for a, uh, a proper burial. Mm. Turkish authorities, as you surely know, are, are being criticized for failing to enforce building codes, but also for sluggish response to the quake. What are you hearing? What have you witnessed? Well, most of the people we spoke to are expressing anger and uh, frustration over what they called the slow delivery of aid and uh, relief. Uh, this was recognized by Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, who said uh, that the initial response to the quake was uh, slow. He also said that uh, this might be the uh, biggest rescue operation uh, uh, ever in the, the world. More uh, aid and rescue teams are still arriving. We've seen uh, uh, teams arriving to the airports uh, from more than 90 uh, countries. This is uh, uh, a massive operation, but the massive uh, destruction and the large scale of the damage that affected at least 20 millions in Turkey alone is uh, uh, slowing down the response of aid, uh, supply, of aid and uh, uh, supplies. Hmm. Those who survived would have most likely lost their homes. Um, is necessary aid reaching them, and have they found adequate shelter to survive this winter? Hundreds of uh, hundreds of thousands of people uh, across both countries uh, uh, have been left homeless in the middle of winter. Many have camped out in uh, makeshift shelters, in cars, in, in parks and uh, roadsides, often uh, in need for food, water and heat. Aid convoys have already arrived to the uh, devastated region in, in Turkey, but delivery is looking much, much slower uh, to northern uh, Syria. Syrian activists have been expressing frustration about, about the uh, uh, delays. They said uh, bodies of the victims uh, arrived to Syria much faster than the aid supplies and, and support. The Turkish authorities uh, obviously said that uh, they were overwhelmed by the uh, situation and that they now working with the international community uh, to speed up the delivery of humanitarian aid to Syria. And many thanks to our Mohammed Shreta in Hatay province. And here in Germany, a growing number of volunteers has been doing what they can to help relief efforts. Here's a look at how humanitarian aid is getting from Germany to the disaster zone. Tents, blankets, generators, all stored in almost 20,000 pallets here in Ulm in the south of Germany. All rescue goods that Germany delivers to Turkey and Syria go through this logistics center. It's Germany's central rescue supply hub, run by the Agency for Technical Disaster Assistance, a federal organization that is mostly staffed by volunteers. They come here multiple days in a row, leaving their jobs behind to help. I had already gone with one of the aid transports, and when you see how much the people actually need it, I think it's just good if you can support them, because otherwise it's almost impossible. You don't know whether the aid will arrive or not, and here you really have the opportunity to see that the aid is delivered. The trained volunteers spring into action when disaster strikes. 
Almost immediately after the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, about 30 volunteers started to prepare supplies. The volunteers load the goods onto trucks and then drive them about 600 kilometers to the Wunstorf Air Base in Lower Saxony. Yesterday, the first three A400Ms took off from here, from Wunstorf, and another four planes will leave today with a total of more than 40 tonnes of aid supplies. It's a fantastically prepared operation. There are already logistics experts in Turkey. That's good because now it's important that the supplies arrive quickly so we can help people. For security reasons, the German Air Force can currently only fly to Turkey. Decisions on where the goods are going are taken day by day with regards to the security situation. This is no longer a decision for our agency, but for the Foreign Office or Brussels. The German Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbock has asked for the Turkish-Syrian borders to be open for rescue supplies, something that could prove difficult. Meanwhile, the volunteers in Ulm will continue their mission and the blue trucks will keep driving. To the U.S. now, where the military has shot down an unidentified object over Alaska on orders from President Joe Biden. Officials say it posed a threat to civilian flights. The U.S. Air Force downed a suspected Chinese spy balloon just last week. The White House says it's not clear where the latest object came from. Out of an abundance of caution and at the recommendation of the Pentagon, President Biden ordered the military to down the object. And they did. And it came in inside our territorial waters. We have no further details about the object at this time, including any description of its capabilities, purpose or origin. The object was about the size of a small car, so not similar in size or shape to the high altitude surveillance balloon that was taken down off the coast of South Carolina on February 4. We don't have any information that would confirm a stated purpose for this object. Um, we do expect to be able to recover uh, the debris uh, since it fell not only within our territorial space but on what we, what we uh, believe is, is frozen uh, water. So uh, it, uh, a recovery effort will be made. Various U.S. government officials there. We asked our Washington correspondent, Sumi Somaskanda, what this incident and the one last week involving a Chinese balloon mean for U.S. security. So the Pentagon was actually asked that question in, in a press conference earlier on Friday. And uh, the question was, you know, has the U.S. now essentially reassessed national security with that uh, Chinese spy balloon incident, this object? Um, the spokesperson said that really anything that is considered a threat to national security, of course, is dealt with, and that this particular object was deemed a, a risk to civilian aircraft, as I said. But the reality is, Rahila, that the country is on high alert, and there are also political considerations at play here. Uh, U.S. President Biden has been heavily criticized, particularly by Republicans who accuse him of allowing the Chinese spy balloon to fly over the country, over sensitive military sites. They've called him weak in the face of China. So I think it is safe to say that that pressure at least somewhat informed uh, the decision to shoot down this object off the coast of Alaska. But we still, as I said, need to find out more information about what the object was and uh, what was behind it. Some sports for you now. An American football Super Bowl takes place on Sunday. The Kansas City Chiefs will face off against the Philadelphia Eagles. And for the first time in the history of this event, the teams will be led by two black quarterbacks. The stage is set in Arizona, 
for one of the most remarkable Super Bowls yet. It's the first time American football showpiece will have two black starting quarterbacks as Kansas City Chiefs star Patrick Mahomes takes on Jalen Hurts and his Philadelphia Eagles. The significance of the moment is not lost on anyone. Now that's big time history. That's big time history. Um, like I said, it's a historic moment to be uh, on this platform and to give so many others so much inspiration moving forward, telling them that they can do it too. So it's, it's, it's a proud moment. Hertz is in his first Super Bowl. His opposite number, Mahomes, has already lifted the trophy in 2020, but understands why this game is so special. To be lucky enough to be in this position and to play against another great guy like Jalen, it's going to be a special moment, and I'm glad that we're here today, but how can we keep moving forward? And uh, how can we motivate kids that are, are younger that are going to follow their dreams to be a quarterback? It's going to be a special, special day um, and a great football game. Mahomes has struggled with an ankle problem of late, but nothing is going to stop him teaming up with star tight end Travis Kelsey, who will be facing his own brother Jason, a centre for the Eagles. This is also the first Super Bowl since 2017, which was won by the Eagles, where the two number one seeds from the regular season have reached the finale. If that's not enough to whet your appetite, pop star Rihanna will be making her comeback in the halftime show. It's all shaping up to be a Super Bowl like no other. Earlier, we spoke to German NFL star Jakob Johnson and asked him why this sport, and in particular the Super Bowl, captures the global imagination. Man, football is a sport like no other. It's the most entertaining sport out there. Uh, it combines physicality with teamwork. It's the ultimate team sport. Nobody has ever won a football game by themselves. Uh, in soccer, you have the opportunity to maybe score a lot of goals and, and, and assert yourself that way. But in football, there's no position that works without somebody else supporting them. Uh, and I think people just gravitate towards that. And the beauty of football is bringing people together from all different kinds of backgrounds. You have guys from uh, down south Florida, uh, guys from Iowa that, that were raised on farms, guys like me that are from Germany. Uh, and we're all coming together for, for this beautiful game. Get the popcorn ready. You're watching DW News. Up next, we have Sports Life for you on football and politics. I'm Michael Oku in Berlin. For me and the rest of the Berlin news team, really appreciate your time and your company.